0: Hello and welcome to this, the third episode of the ME show. My name is Gary Burgess. I was diagnosed with ME last year and with support from the ME Association, I'm hoping this series will shine a light on different aspects of this illness. Thanks again for all your comments and feedback. Please, please keep it going. You'll find me on Twitter. I'm at GaryBurgessCI and please use the hashtag TheMEShow. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review us in iTunes to help boost our rankings and hopefully make us more visible to others. Now this week on the show, I speak to Member of Parliament Carol Monaghan. Earlier this year, she led a debate in Westminster to raise awareness of the Realities of what ME is like for those who have it and to highlight the damaging impact the now discredited PACE trial has had on patients. From speaking to her, it's evident Carol is on a mission to fight our corner in Parliament.
1: The time really is right now to get the message out and to start, start challenging some of the injustices that, that have been done to people with ME over the last probably 50 years but certainly over the last 20.
0: Much more of that to come in a moment but first I wanted to reflect on the millions missing events of just over a week ago which saw people in towns and cities right around the world gathering to raise awareness of ME in their communities and to lobby for action from those in a position to make a difference to our lives. I've tried to catch up on as much as I can online and the many videos I've come across have proved actually a a really emotional watch at times. The strength of those who attended, whether patients, carers, friends or family, is a testament to the collective passion we all have about getting fair treatment. Here's just a short taster of the coverage that I've been catching upon, beginning with a report that was broadcast on BBC One in Scotland from the Edinburgh event.
1: Campaigners for more awareness of the
2: condition ME describe it as a living death. At a rally in Edinburgh, they've called for action to tackle the illness which they claim affects more than 20,000 Scots. Laura Maxwell reports. Empty shoes sent by those who are too ill to attend in person. Each pair tells the story of someone with myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME. Unable to live an ordinary life due to crushing tiredness, they call themselves the missing millions.
1: I had to give up everything, you know, work and college and pretty much all my friends as well you know you just you start your life again
3: we're not gonna sit in silence we're not gonna live with fear
2: organizers here say thousands of people across Scotland have the condition but there are no ME consultants and just one specialist nurse
1: there's very little education the little that there is is erroneous and harmful to many patients and Our NHS is amazing, but how can doctors and nurses treat us if they aren't given the tools to treat us properly?
2: The Scottish Government says it's ensuring those with the condition can access the best possible care and support. It's recently announced funding for a research post and says it'll
0: continue to work to improve awareness of ME. Laura Maxwell, reporting Scotland, Edinburgh. Well, from that in Edinburgh to Manchester, where there were some really powerful speakers, specially written poems, passionate pleas for action, and this from the event organiser.
2: I know all too well the toll that this will take on those of you who suffer from ME. It's highly likely that something as simple as travelling a few miles, sitting or standing at this event, will mean you'll be confined to your beds or the sofa for days or even weeks which is why it means so much that everybody has come here today to ensure this cruel disease is visible and to demand that action be taken. Change will only happen with significantly more biomedical research and this will only happen with the support of those who represent us. So here, this Parliament. We may not be visible every day, but we do exist and we are not going away. We will keep campaigning. We will keep making noise. And we will keep being visible until this disease is relegated to the history books.
0: And finally, this from Jennifer Breyer, my guest on this podcast a few weeks ago. She was due at the Los Angeles event, but was too ill to attend on the day. So sent a rallying cry video instead. We have already lost so
3: many people to suicide, to neglect, to the severest forms of this disease. And we have already lost decades. The time to act is now. Half measures, small steps, tokens, gestures. These are the same as an action and we will not accept them. We will accept only what we need and deserve. Massive investment and a plan, a real plan for what you are going to do.
0: To help cure ME. And so, to my guest this week on the ME show, the SNP MP, Carol Monaghan. She represents Glasgow North West, but in effect represents us all with her recent debate at Westminster. Order. We now come to the next debate on the PACE trial and its effect on people with ME. And I'm calling Carol Monaghan to move the motion.
3: The doctor doesn't see me crawl on the floor. The doctor doesn't know I don't shower every day or brush my teeth twice a day like everyone else. He isn't aware of my frequent sore throats, my poor balance, my difficulties with reading, my muscle twitches or my sound intolerance. And he certainly wasn't here to nurse me when once I was too weak to eat. These are the words of a junior doctor living with ME who alongside nearly a thousand others have contacted me prior to this debate. Myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME, has been described in many ways, but labels such as chronic fatigue syndrome or post-viral fatigue syndrome simply do not come close to the living hell experienced by many ME sufferers. A hell that is made worse by the lack of understanding that is faced when seeking help
1: it's actually quite difficult to be granted a Westminster Hall debate. And I mean, there's, I've been putting in for debates on a variety of subjects for three, three years now, since I was first elected. And it's only the second one that I've actually been granted. So getting a Westminster Hall debate is not straightforward. So I was, Delighted when that happened. But yeah, when when you've got a million things to do and people pulling you in lots of different directions to decide that you're going to go for a particular topic or issue, um, yeah, you have to be prepared to dedicate the time to it. And, and frankly, people don't always have that time. But this was something not only because it had been raised by this constituent and a number of constituents with ME, but also because looking at the science behind this I, I just felt there was real injustice here that had to be exposed.
0: What was your understanding or indeed awareness of ME prior to this?
1: I've, I've got to say, prior to becoming an MP, I had practically no awareness um, of, of ME. I knew that ME made people tired. I knew that ME, in some cases, meant they weren't able to work. Beyond that, I had absolutely no idea, and I would say that's probably the case for most of the general public. There are certain conditions that we all have lots of information about and um, and, and probably a fair amount of knowledge of. I mean, cancer would be a good example, mm-hmm. but um, but frankly, there's just there's just almost silence in terms of me in the media. So so my my experience would be typical. I would say to pretty much everybody else. I knew nothing, really.
0: And based on the assumption on my part that you now know a lot more about, Emmy, <laughs> um, when you look at what you've learned, how, how do you feel about it? I, I've described it as, as being one day we'll look back and realise this was a scandal, that there are people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, living almost in the shadows because of a lack of awareness and understanding.
1: I think this is one of the biggest issues for ME because of the, the real impact it has on people. People are simply not able to campaign vociferously or to to get their case out there. These people are largely forgotten. And it's one of the things that's, that's said to me time and time again by people living with ME that, Probably the symptoms are bad, the condition is terrible, but the loneliness and the isolation is the worst aspect of this particular condition. Um and because of that isolation, that message simply hasn't been getting out. And I, I think the time the time really is right now to get the message out and to start start challenging some of the injustices that, that have been done to people with ME. Over the last probably fifty years, but certainly over the last twenty,
0: it's one of the great cruelties. I found that at my lowest of lows, feeling like I I was banging my head against brick walls, trying to find a label for whatever it was I had. That the one thing I don't have is is the basic level of energy to, to fight the good fight.
1: And a lot of people say the same. And I, I think I think one of the other difficulties is. This feeling of not being believed, yeah. people just putting it down to, well, it's in your head. Oh, come on, get up and get on with it, or you know, best foot forward. That is really not helpful when you're dealing with somebody that has had their life devastated by by Emmy. So, I think for people, first of all, they need to know that. They are actually been listened to; that they are believed, and I think that in itself, whilst it might not give them physical energy, at least it gives them a glimmer of hope. and And I hope that, you know, we can we can start seeing some changes and and actually having some impact in terms of how how ME sufferers are treated when they seek medical help.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. You you were specifically talking about the much now discredited pace trial and uh, there was a significant research paper reviewing all of that original evidence just a matter of weeks ago that confirmed what many people already knew which is this, this this pace protocol was not the right thing what was the reaction during and after the Westminster debate when when you were shining that political spotlight on it Well, I
1: think, I mean, obviously those in the ME community were were delighted because, you know, here finally now somebody was saying publicly and in a fairly large forum, what they had been saying for many, many years. So I think there was that, first of all. But I think also it has definitely caused a number of my colleagues, um, other MPs, in fact, MPs from from all different parties, to start looking at this and start questioning it. So that's that's been really helpful as well. But um, I think, that, I mean, one of the big difficulties with the PACE trial is it started off in with the belief that this is a psychological condition now so right from the very start of this particular piece of research it was flawed and it started if you're starting a trial like that considering it to be psychological then that it it, right away um this really um shows that all these sufferers have been not believed for years and years and years. So I think that was a real problem to start with. But then to continue banging on this same drum that this was a psychological condition. When I mean, the WHO has it as a neurological condition in the States. There's an awful lot of research to show that there, you know, the, 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 how this has started. So, I mean, there's there's so much information out there these particular this particular research and these particular psychologists went at it from their own perspective perception rather than actually listening to those living with the condition and that was what was wrong right from the the, on, the outset
0: and and it highlights the power of of vested interest groups uh, of big pharma of of, of psychological bodies whatever that body may be to to fight for their unfair share of whether it's attention or or funding how do we correct that and 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 how do we prevent that because time and time again when I'm speaking to people in this disparate and sometimes desperate ME community there is the frustration about the vested interests and the and, and the politics of this politics with a small p
1: I think one of one of the, the most sinister aspects of this particular trial, I think, was the involvement of the DWP in it. I, the DWP do not fund medical trials. It's, it's just the, it, there is um no case for it. It's it's nothing to do with what the DWP is set up to do. However, to have them as part of that shows that they had an interest in a reason and, and in my, well, it's my belief that the reason they had to fund this and to be involved in this was to remove people from benefits, benefits that they were receiving as a result of the condition. And once again, that highlights that these people were simply not been believed. It was considered that, yeah, they could work if they wanted to. This isn't the case.
0: If a government department was funding research to reinforce a minority belief that cancer was psychological rather than anything physical it would be a global scandal
1: absolutely and it i think this is this is one of the one of the real i suppose challenges of this this whole issue is that it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what it is about ME or what it is that causes ME and how we treat it. But with cancer, we can see there is a tumour. We can remove a tumour. We can treat it. We can see whether it's coming back. But without that level of knowledge, and to, to improve that, there has to be a far more uh, research done, but proper scientific Research into the causes of ME, into the treatment of ME, and the cures for ME. Because I believe that we can be making real uh, progress with this if we look at properly funded scientific research rather than starting from this um, psychological belief in, in of the
0: condition. It sounds alarmingly simple when you put it like that. So, why aren't we there, and and why are we where we are? Where where are the roadblocks, and and how are they unblocked? Is is that at government level? Is that at research level? Is is that at patient level? Where where, where does the unblocking happen in your mind?
1: Well, I think the first thing is there has to be awareness raised. At government level. And I think we're starting to do that. I mean, I, I've now had meetings with a number of MPs from different parties. And this is actually what's been really heartening about, about the, what has happened since the debate in February. Um, different MPs are starting to look at this and do want to work with me on this. So that is a really good positive step. Often when Somebody from one party or another party raises an issue; others will shout in opposition. But actually, there's there's good cross-party um, support for this at the moment. Um, so I think that's the first stage. But also, you know, we've got to be asking questions of government about how their influence actually affects what research is happening, because you know, it's it, ultimately it's it's taxpayer money that's going towards these this research. So. We have to be asking questions how they are actually selecting areas for research or how they are influencing what research is done. And, you know, once these questions start being asked, I believe we can actually start
0: making some progress here. It it, it all feels rather amorphous and abstract, this this big sort of Westminster village. I don't know how it works. Is is this a a group of cross-party MPs lobbying the department of health is it is it personal and professional relationships say with a a junior health minister is it a health select committee how does real tangible action and progress get made
1: well i think i mean if if we could get a a committee to take this on and look at it that would be excellent but i think that's realistically that's probably not going to happen in the near future but what what i'm trying to do uh, in Parliament just now is just keep the pressure up. I mean, I have I've written to Jeremy Hunt, I've written to Nice because they're revising or looking at, at the guidelines just now for the treatment of ME. But over the next few weeks, uh, there's a couple of other things that I'm going to do again to just keep trying to keep this in. In um, I suppose in people's zone, Mm -hmm. as it were, keeping them aware of it. So we will be lodging something called an early day motion. And an early day motion is a statement about a particular issue. Now, usually one member lodges this and others will come in and support it and sponsor it. Now that is something that the ME community can really get mobilised with because they can contact their own MPs and ask them to support this particular motion and once we have a number of MPs supporting the motion it's easier to try and to contact them again and say well thanks very much for the, for your support, here's the next stage, here's the next thing we're going to do. So I would urge people to contact their MPs once this this um, early day motion is lodged get in touch with your MPs tell them about it and make sure their name goes on it and whether they have awareness of MP, of Amy at this at the moment once people get in touch with them and urge them to sign it then their awareness is going to increase
0: and, and the advantage of an EDM is that it's not calling for action it's 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 agreeing with a premise with 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 an assertion
1: yeah, absolutely. It's it's just really we're just trying to gauge support of other members. Sure. And um, early demotions or EDMs are most effective whenever they have cross party support and whenever they have plenty of support. And then, of course, once that support is gauged, it's more use, it's more helpful then to. Um, Push for something like a backbench business debate, which is a bigger forum and, and another um, another chance to actually air these particular views, but. It, the backbench business debate is more likely to be successful if it has lots of supporters and lots of supporters are likely to come in behind it if they've already signed an EDM. So that, so it's, it is quite a useful tool.
0: It, it sounds like the sort of slowly, slowly catchy monkey approach and, and you, you're gathering together your tribe ready, ready to fight this one. Can I, can I ask about the letters you've written to Jeremy Hunt and to, to Nice? Have have you had a reply?
1: Not at this stage, but to be honest, they were only sent in the last week or so, so I wouldn't expect that to to happen yet. Um, but the letters I've I've just for Jeremy Hunt, I've asked, um, I've just stated really that uh, we were pleased to get the debate, we were pleased to hear from the ME community, and clearly NICE are looking at revising their guidelines. And I've I've asked Jeremy Hunt to, you know to keep an eye on what is happening and um, explain to him that I would not like to see a return to graded exercise therapy as the primary treatment for ME. Um, In terms of my correspondence with NICE, I've, I've simply asked them to continue working with patient groups and with any charities when they're drawing up their, their new guidelines. It's all very well to draw up guidelines, but if you're not listening to people that are living with the condition, then um, there's the value in that becomes diluted. But in fairness to NICE at the moment, they have said that they will be working with patient representatives. So let's hope that that is the case and that we do get a positive um, result from the revised NICE guidelines.
0: Talking of of reactions to events, what's the reaction been for you among your constituents and indeed the, the wider ME community that I suspect you've been in communication with over the past couple of months since the Westminster Hall debate?
1: In terms of my own constituents, it's, it, it, I probably already had had contact with a number of the people living within me anyway. Um, I had a few more coming forward just thanking me and, you know, and, and supporting the work that I'm done, doing, which is great. But... What has been just overwhelming has been the response from the ME community worldwide. Mm-hmm. I have been absolutely blown away by the the volume of the correspondence and some of the stories that have been told. And and this is people living with ME in Australia and the States and Canada, really across the world, who have felt as though they've never nobody has ever listened to them. So it's been it's been really. a a great response a positive reaction and and i believe people are watching watching this space they want to know what's happening and they want to see some movement here
0: indeed and i I think the the, there's a sense of frustration amongst many people and i include myself that we want everything fixed yesterday of course we do that's just human nature what what from your perspective are the things that as ordinary mortals, as non mds uh, ca- can do, you know, is there anything useful we can be doing in the meantime to to help build this head of steam in terms of awareness and understanding and real tangible action?
1: Well, again, one of the difficulties is just the lack of energy yeah. for, with people for people with ME, but people with ME also have families who may have a bit more energy than they have. Um, I'm I'm actually speaking at an event in Edinburgh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. So I believe there'll be people living with Emmy from all over Scotland attending that event, and friends and families. So things, events like that that cause members of the public that that were like me or that are are the way I was that knew nothing about Emmy, events like that that raise awareness amongst the public are fantastic. Talking to the press, telling stories to the press is fantastic as well. But one of the things I found was a bit disappointing was I had a number of journalists um, lined up, ready to go in the Scottish press. uh, And I put out a call for people willing to tell their stories. And and actually, it just (laughs) everything went dead and nobody was willing to talk. That I found really frustrating because I kind of felt I'm doing my bit, but I need you to do your bit as well. I need you to talk. I need you to tell, to talk about your experience, talk about your life, talk about the impact on your family, talk about how it's affected your children. I needed those stories out there, and unfortunately, there was silence. So I, I do need I do need people in the ME community to come out and tell their stories. i um, Many people told their stories to me um, in emails and things uh, before the debate, and that was fantastic. But you know, we need to be we need to be as loud as possible here.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm aware the the ME Association itself keeps a, a, an ever growing database of of people who are happy to share their experience publicly which I have to say is not easy to do at the best of times but if if you are going through some of the the hellish dark times of of this this illness then I I can understand why that's the case but but let's hope even one person listening to this podcast who thinks yes I'd like to share my story then perhaps they could get in touch with you or with the Emmy Association uh, because the the, the more I agree that the more media coverage we can get but but journalists also as as well as hearing from you, want to hear from quote unquote real people uh, going going through that so they can really understand it. If if on your travels later today you bump into a stranger and, and for some random reason they they begun asking you about ME and they didn't really understand it, what is it you say to those people? How how do you explain it now?
1: I usually start by um highlighting the medical Aspects of ME, I highlight the fact that for many people with ME, this started with a flu-like virus, like, like many people have, but they simply didn't get better. And when people start hearing things like flu-like virus, and then they hear that actually this flu, these flu-like symptoms remain with the person for months, for years, for life when they start understanding the real devastating impact, I think it gives them a better picture. I, I've only had flu once in my life. It was about, it was probably about 15 years ago, and I actually thought I was going to die. I, I don't ever remember feeling as ill as I did when I had flu. So for people with ME, living like that day after day, I honestly don't know how they cope. So, so that's how I start. That's how I talk. I talk about the medical, how it feels for a person with ME. I can I can only imagine what it feels like to live with ME, but to put it into to try and put it onto an experience that other people may have had, I think starts to explain it slightly to others.
0: Well, I suspect I'm not alone in thinking we're delighted we have an advocate at the level you are who is, is raising awareness of this in the ways you are so far. If this podcast happens to be a success and keeps going, and, and with me involved, that's highly unlikely, um, <laughs> and, and you and I meet up in a year from now, what, what progress do you think will have been made or do you hope will have been made?
1: Well, I hope, first of all, that the revised NICE guidelines are um, have removed exercise as the primary the um, the primary treatment for Amy. That's got to, I I I will be av- absolutely devastated if exercise remains as the primary treatment. I also hope that in the next year we start having a, an awareness raised within the medical profession of how to treat and how to work with people with ME. But I think longer term, what we want to see is quality research, money being spent on quality research into both the causes of ME and the treatment and possible cure for ME. So that is something we have to see. We have seen in the States that there has been work with certain antiviral drugs that have worked with for some people and not for other people. Um, so so it would be good to see a much wider piece of research looking at these kind of aspects and looking at a kind of treatment in terms of drugs rather than treatment in terms of exercise.
0: Carol thank you so much for sparing the time today to join us on the ME show I'm really grateful I hope those listening to this are as well and we wish you only continued success.
1: Thank you very much Gary it's been a pleasure talking to you and and I'd say to everyone just finally everyone living with ME We are fighting it and hopefully things will start to change.
0: Well, since recording that interview with Carol, the early day motion has now gone live and you can also lobby your own MP to support it. You'll find details of how to go about doing that in the show notes that accompany this podcast at meassociation.org.uk slash podcast. That's meassociation.org.uk slash podcast. And that's where you'll find links to all the things we've spoken about in this episode. Next week, we'll focus on children with ME. I'll be speaking to Jane Colby from the Times Trust about their work and about the specific needs of younger people who contract this illness. Until then, please, please, please keep sharing this podcast with everybody and anybody. The more who listen, the better. You can subscribe, rate and review in iTunes, and you'll find all the links you need at meassociation.org.uk slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Gary Burgess, and this is The Emmy Show. Thanks for listening.